0: During Jesus' ministry, one of the primary ways he would instruct his disciples was through parables. People would gather from far and wide in order to listen to what Jesus said about the kingdom of God, and the most common way he would explain the kingdom was in parables. In this series, CMC campus pastors examine several parables of Jesus, exploring the rich truths they reveal about who Jesus is and what he came to achieve through his life Death and Resurrection. Now join Lead Pastor Tim Brooks as he teaches them the parable of wheat and weeds, the mustard seeds and yeast, the hidden treasure in the pearl, and the fishing net.
1: We want to welcome those that are joining us on podcast. Uh, we're studying Jesus' teachings in the parables, and in this lesson, we're going to look at the parable of the wheat and the weeds, the mustard seed, the yeast the hidden treasure and the pearl, and the fishing net. Now, in this teaching of Jesus, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 13, verse 20 through, 24 through 52. There, well, my goodness, you're going to teach five parables all at once. Well, it, Jesus taught these five parables all at once. And if you will get this book out in the lobby on your way out, uh, we're following, we'll be in chapter 8. Um, well, appreciate Pastor Paul and... Uh, Him bragging on me and bragging on this book, Paul, that meant a lot to me. It's not going to get you a raise, but uh, it did mean a lot to me, and I wanted to thank you for all those kind words. won't mean to dime to you one way or another, but I just wanted to acknowledge the fact, and I appreciate that. So we're in chapter 8 in that book. If you hadn't gotten that book, get it in the foyer on the way out. But this is a teaching on how the kingdom of God operates, And all five of these parables, Jesus is teaching a theme here. So it's just one back-to-back-to-back, and and it's all uh, a part that Jesus is teaching. Find Matthew chapter 13, verse 24, and let's get started. Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept... His enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went to him and said, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. Where do they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked? No, he replied. You'll uproot the wheat if you do. Let both grow together Until the harvest, then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them to bundles, and burn them, and put the wheat in the barn. Here's another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds come and make nests in its branches. Jesus used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast, a woman used in making bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. Underline, permeated every part of the dough. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I'll speak to you in parables. I will explain the things hidden since the creation of the world. Then leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house, and the disciples said, Please explain to us the story of the weeds in the field. Jesus replied, The Son of Man is the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the word, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are angels. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire... So it will be at the end of the world the Son of Man will send his angels and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all that do evil. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. His excitement he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the outlook for choice pearls. When he discovered the pearl of great price, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net, was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up on the shore and sat down, sorted the good fish into crates, but threw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand all these things? Yes, he said, we do. Then he added, every teacher of religious law who becomes a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a homeowner who brings from his storeroom the new gems of truth as well as the old. This teaching in these parables could not be more for today's Christian as if Jesus was standing right here, read the newspaper today, watched the news today, and wrote, told, told us these parables. It, it is so applicable to where the, this culture's thinking is today. We today are consumed with the fact, that, or, or telling us, that there is no right and wrong, there are no moral absolutes, that that is for every individual to decide for themselves. We're teaching this in the first grade, in the second grade. It has swept our country, and the thinking is now over in our church, that each chooses right for themselves. And we get, today we are getting our morals from what is accepted by the culture of today. And I can't tell you the number of times that I've been told, Tim, you will have to change your teaching and get with where the culture today is or people will stop coming to your church. You're going to have to get with today's culture. And the churches across America are even embracing this thinking. Now, what I want us to see is, while Jesus loved everybody, to the extent that he gave his life, that he gave his life, Jesus never accepted sin as okay or as an alternative lifestyle. And today's culture can't seem to grasp that concept. And I hear, I hear reverends, I hear churches, I hear people that attend church coming and telling me you won't believe what our church is now teaching, we can't understand that Jesus loved everybody, yet he never embraced alternative lifestyles and okay or ordained sin. At every turn, in every situation, Jesus identified sin and he called sin out. And Jesus revealed the punishment for sin. And this culture has got to return to a biblical worldview, and it can't return to a biblical worldview unless the church turns it to a biblical worldview. The culture is not going to turn itself, and if the church embraces the culture, then we're lost for sure. The church has got to lift up a godly standard and draw people to that. And we can't, as leaders of the church... Change to adapt the world's way of thinking. We've got to remain godly and biblical in our thinking. And folks, will leave the church because it offends them and rubs them the wrong way. But we'll still be here whenever they're at the bottom of the barrel lifting up a hope that will bring them back. The church has got to take a stand. And this culture has got to understand that there are severe... Consequences for sin. There, oh, Jesus forgive you, Jesus loves you, Jesus forgive you, Jesus loves you. While all that is true, I I get it. Uh, you know, I don't want to preach into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I'd lot rather preach Jesus loves you and he forgives you. But if we're going to preach Jesus loves you and he forgives you, we're going to have to bring in the outer darkness and the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. We're going to have to bring in what Jesus told us. And these parables are extremely important for us today. All five of these parables show us to make a distinction between good and bad. There has to be a distinction made between right and wrong. And in these parables, Jesus is not telling us about seed or about fish. He is telling us about people. There is a right way and there is a wrong way. And we're going to have to get back to telling our first graders that behavior is wrong and this behavior is right. We've got to come back to a right and a wrong way because that is the standard that God holds. That is the standard that God holds, and everybody is not okay. Well, all religions will end up in the same place. No, they won't. There is the barn where the wheat goes, and there is the fire where the weeds go. We're not going to all end up in the same place. Now, let's follow the red letters, that's Jesus is speaking, down through these parables, and you're going to read good grain and weeds. And you're going to read that the weeds come from the enemy. There is an enemy, and the enemy sows weeds. You're going to have to read, the weeds are burned. Not everybody is going to be okay you got to read, there is a removal of everything that causes sin and all who do evil. you got to read, evil is thrown into the fiery furnace. Wicked people, wicked people, that's Jesus' words. And we're going to have to embrace that, we're going to have to understand that, and we're going to have to read that. Now, with all of this anti-discrimination... And these laws that are being passed in our culture today about not discriminating. I'm in a fine in you and fining businesses and jailing people for discriminating. What is God's thoughts on discrimination? What does the Bible teach about discrimination? The word discriminate, if you look it up in the dictionary, means to differentiate. It means to differentiate. It means to show partiality. Church, not only is it not wrong to discriminate, you better discriminate. We have to show, we've got to make a difference, and we have to show a partiality to right. We have to say, this is wrong, this is right, and I personally am partial to right. We've got to be able to say that. Not only is discrimination not wrong, you better be discriminating. Parents, before your children go spend the night at another place, before your children go and spend the night with somebody else, you better discriminate. Before your 12-year-old daughter goes to spend the night over there, is there a 16-year-old boy in that home? You better be doing some discrimination. Before you hire people to work for you, you better look and find out, are they wheat or are they chaff? Before you do business with somebody, every day, all day long, we are discriminating. Not only is it not wrong, it's wise. In these five parables, Jesus clearly teaches us to discriminate. There is a life of good seeds, and there is a life of weeds, and you better be able to know the difference in that. Now, Jesus is not teaching on horticulture; he's talking about people. You judging me? Or you discriminating against me? Or you judge me? Absolutely, I am. I sure am. And my daughter's not coming to spend the night over there. Yep, yes, I am judging you, and I'm not going to hire you. I'm going to hire this person over here. I'm a, Verse 49, the angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous. And we've got to be able to understand that. Now, I know this is a hard message. I know this is not popular. I'm sure I will get a lot of hate mail from those that hear this. But I'm going to have to read what Jesus preached. I've got to read what Jesus is teaching us here. We've got to show a distinction. And here is the bottom line for me. The church does its members no favors when you tell them everybody's okay. You think you are being a good preacher and we're not going to talk about those scriptures. God loves you and God accepts you how you are and and God accepts whatever choices you make and, and you're okay. I'm telling you, When those folks are gathered up and thrown into the fiery furnace, I'm thinking that there's some pastors that are going to stand in judgment before God. You've done your people. I I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to run anybody off. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be intolerant. I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just letting you know there's two destinations and you need to make the right choice to get in the right destination. I've got to tell you that. And I don't believe the church does any favors when it endorses and promotes sin. And I've got a hard, I've got a, I'm having a hard time with pastors who are doing that. I'm having a hard time with churches who are doing that. As we continually see when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, well, we've got to tune in. Whether you personally like this or not, when he says, here's the way the kingdom of heaven operates, we got to pay attention to that because Earth, it, his will is supposed to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I need to know how it operates in heaven so that we can operate here. The first of these five parables begin in verse 24. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer. Now, I teach so much on this, I'm just going to pass right over it because literally I could do a whole series on a farmer. I mean, we could just talk on and on and on about the lessons of a farmer. What can you learn from the life of a farmer? When you read in the word farmer, we'll think about that all day. How does a farmer think? What does a farmer do? How does a farmer act? How does a farmer react? How does a farmer respond? The farmer planted good seed. I'm just thinking about this in my office today. My wife, Terry. Um, puts in tomato plants for us so we can have some fresh tomatoes. And as she was getting ready to put in her tomato plants, she went to a nursery, and you know what she did? She discriminated. That's what she did. All of the different kinds of tomatoes that were there, and she looked at each one of those, and she discriminated. Oh, nobody, we shouldn't discriminate. We're passing laws against discrimination. How foolish. We discriminate all day long. When you go down the aisle of the grocery store, you're discriminating. I follow my wife down the aisle of the grocery store, and I'm always picking up, Why don't we get any of this? She says, We don't get that. Why don't we get some of this? I don't know what to do with that. I'm just amazed by all the stuff that's on the shelf that we never get. It's, a sh- it's amazing to me. And I'm always, well, let's, why don't we try some of this? Oh, that's bad. I don't like that. W- are you kidding me? We discriminate. When you go into a clothing store, what do you do? You don't pick some of these and you pick this. You discriminate when you go car shopping. I mean, when you're looking for builders to add a, a room onto your house, what do you do? We discriminate all day long, and now to tell us that we're not supposed to do that with people, and you're supposed to send your children over to spend the night at this house? Are you kidding me? Come on. Back to my wife's tomato example. Here's what I thought about today. Based on the outcome Based on the desired outcome, she chose the tomato plants. How did she determine, I'll pick this, but I won't pick that? She did it based on the outcome of what she was trying to produce. Terry and I raised two daughters, and we had a desired outcome. When they were very little, we had a desired outcome that we were trying to produce. And based on the outcome, we discriminated every day of their life. Where they went, where they didn't go, who they went with, who they didn't go with, what books they read, what shows they watched, what music they listened to, where, what friends they had. Based on a desired outcome, we made discriminating decisions every day of our daughter's life. I'm not prejudiced. I'm not looking down my nose at anybody. I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody. I'm not saying that I'm worth more than anybody. I'm not saying that God loves me more than anybody. I'm making choices on a desired outcome for my life. I'm making choices on a desired outcome. And I desire peace and joy. And that will not be produced if I buy these kind of tomato plants. See, that... I desire peace and joy that won't be produced that won't be my outcome if I watch these kind of TV shows lust fear anxiety will be produced in my heart if I watch that so I've got to turn that off and are are you getting this I want peace and joy I don't want the police chasing me I don't want to look in the rearview mirror and worry if the police are chasing me Based on that outcome, I'm not getting in the car with this guy and this guy. I'm not going to ride with them. I'm not going to entertain with them. I'm not going to go with them. Because here is, I want to have peace driving to town, not a knot in my stomach driving to town. And so since that's what I want, then I'm not going to hang with these guys. Are you discriminating? Yep. I am. Just like my wife discriminated whenever she picked out our tomato plants, so I'm discriminating This is not about tomato plants. Jesus is teaching us about people. About people. Now, the thinking of today is foolish. The thinking of today is foolish. Parents, you better be discriminating. Business people, you better be discriminating. When you go and buy customers in here, when you go shopping, you better be discriminating. It doesn't matter if you're putting tires on your car, you better be discriminating. You're making choices all the time. Yes, this seed. No, not that seed. This is wheat. I'm not planting any weeds. And just always remember as you read this, Jesus is not giving us a horticulture lesson. He's talking about people. Chapter 13, verse 38 and 39. Jesus explains, The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. You better know in your life who belongs to the evil one and who doesn't. Are you judging me? Yep, it's exactly what I'm doing. It's exactly what I'm doing based on this verse right here. Verse 42. Verse 42. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We're in a world today that tells you there are no moral absolutes, that you choose right and wrong for yourself, that just doesn't happen to be what Jesus just said. The thinking of today is leading people to destruction. And that concerns me greatly. Teaching from pastors in churches are leading people to their destruction. Yes, I'm looking forward to preaching a sermon on the love of God. I'm looking forward to preaching a sermon on the forgiveness. I love preaching those. But I also have to read verse 42. Angels will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And as a pastor, you do it injustice if you don't read that verse to the folks here. All people are growing together. At harvest time, the wheat's gonna go in the barn, And the weeds are going to be burned. Verse 25. At night. At night while you're asleep. At night while you're asleep. Parents in here, you can't go to sleep where your kids are concerned. Because weeds will be sown in that garden. You you can't go to sleep. You have to pay attention while you're asleep at the wheel, while you're doing your own thing and just letting your kids grow up and let them develop and, you know, let them just become the man or the woman that they're going to be in their own way. Here's what I'm telling you In your business, the enemy will sow weeds. In your finances, the enemy will sow weeds. In your kids' life, the enemy will sow weeds. Good parents not watching over what is being sown in their kids. The farmer plants good seeds. I get that. Well, I planted good seeds. I took them to children's church. I took them to church. I get that, and that was great. But you went to sleep, and you let the enemy come while you weren't paying attention, and so good seeds in there too. Now, we're going to have to watch what we're allowing to happen. We're farmers. We can't sleep because there is An anti-God agenda out here. There is an anti-right agenda. There is an anti-anything-good agenda out here. And Jesus is making us well aware in verse 28, Godly life has an enemy. Now, in the middle of verse 24 through 30, the wheat and the weeds, and then in verse 36 through 43, the explanation of the wheat and the weeds, we read the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast, verse 31 through verse 35. The mustard seed is used in Jesus' teaching several times. And and the, the key, anytime you read the mustard seed in Scripture, here's the one thing I want you to know about it. We talk about, always the smallest seed, yet it grows to be the biggest tree. And we talk about it. Here's the one thing that I want you to know about the mustard seed that Jesus is talking about. Uh, It's been probably 30 or 40 years ago now. But the University of Jerusalem did a study on that mustard seed that Jesus is talking about. And that study showed that the mustard seed was the only seed of that time that could not cross-pollinate. Very interesting. If you know anything about seeds, we're crossing seeds and crossing seeds to come up with bigger or longer living or healthier. That cross-pollination is the way life works now. But that mustard seed does not cross-pollinate. There is no mixing good and evil. It just isn't. There didn't. not theres no mixing right and wrong. There is no blending those two there is no mixing holiness and sin there is no mixing so when you read the word mustard seed in the bible you understand there's no cross-pollination with the mustard seed you understand that verse 33 the yeast when you read the yeast it says here and i want you to underline this it permeates every part of the dough that the kingdom of god is to be like yeast in your life, where it permeates every single part of your life. And, and we've developed a lifestyle where we go to church on Sunday morning and we act religious, and then we're totally different on Friday night. That's not the way it operates. It's like yeast that permeates every single part of the dough. Verse 44 and 45, the hidden treasure jesus shows us with the hidden treasure and the example of the pearl the value of the kingdom of heaven in a way 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 too many treat their relationship with the lord so haphazard so half-hearted so non-committed that they're a christian when it's convenient they pray when they need something so haphazard and that's not the life that god's called us to This guy sold everything he had to get that hidden treasure. Your life with the Lord is worth more to you than every single thing that you have. Jesus ends this string of parables, verse 47 through 52, with the fishing net, making sure that we did not miss the point as this culture today, so has missed this point. All the fish are drug in, and there's a separation. There is a separation. All the fish are drug in, and there is a distinction, there is discrimination, and there is a separation. When you put your sin on Facebook or Instagram, I don't care how many likes you get. I don't care how many hearts that you get. When you put your sin and you take pictures of yourself in sin, I don't care how many thumbs up you get. When you post pictures of yourself in sin, I don't care how many go girls you get. Verse 50. Throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand these things don't let the culture today shape your thinking parents d- don't ever buy into everybody's doing it don't, don't don't buy into well that's just where the world is today and you're going to have to get with the thinking of everybody there is no alternative lifestyle that's okay for today the wicked will end up in the fiery furnace The good news is the wheat will be bundled and put in the barn. Let heaven be the yeast in your life that permeates every part of the dough. Y'all stand. Lord, continue to direct us and guide us. God, as we wash our mind with your word, As we renew our mind to your word, Lord, help us as we daily are bombarded with the thinking of this culture, with the thinking of today's trends. God, help us that we stay biblical focused and biblical in our thinking and that our lifestyle represents godliness. Direct us and guide us as we look not to our culture, but we look to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Christian Ministries Church Weekly Podcast. We want to take a moment to tell you about our internship designed for college-age young adults. Applied Life Leaders Academy has been equipping young adults for over 30 years, recognizing the cost higher education and the moral and ethical challenges students face today. Leaders Academy is designed to address those needs and more. LA is a nine-month internship tailored to give interns a biblical worldview and prepare them with practical life skills to meet the demands of adult life. If you have a soon-to-be high school graduate or a young person 18 to 25 years of age, LA is a great place for them to mature and find direction. For more information, visit our website at AppliedLife.com. Spots are limited, so we encourage you to register today.